good. We're all good. Yeah. We good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, right. I'm as rare as I'll ever be, dude. Alright. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Nogcast. That's the Night Owl Games Podcast. This week, we are bringing you a very special guest. Last week, we did not have a guest, but this week, we have returned to the guest format. But before we do that, alongside me is my co-host, as always, Matthew. Hi, hello. How are you? Hello, buddy. How are, How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you? You know, getting by. It's a Sunday. Not to reveal the uh, secrets of when we record. But it's a Sunday. It's a nice it's Sunday. a good Sunday. Mm. It's overcast. It's kind of yes. cool. I'm yeah. content. And our guest, for the first time ever on Noncast, Mr. David Battle. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm going to pretend like I'm going to edit in one of those air horn sounds. So I'm just going to write down, <laughs> I'm write down a time code and then do nothing about it. Yeah, so David is a good friend of ours, and well, of mine at least. Matthew and him haven't interacted. I don't too think much. we've met we've before. Some games. No, I don't think so. But you know, hello, nice to meet you. Hey, Ooh, a go. nice formal introduction. Yeah. Yeah, you played yeah. Monaco together. Oh, that's true. Oh, did oh, we? Oh shit! Yeah. Oh wow, that was a long time you ago. You must hate my okay. guts. <laughs> no, I hate that game. <laughs> I hate that game so much. Oh, I fucked around so much in that game. game. I'm, like, I'm not sorry, uh, but I feel like I should apologize. Uh, like, honestly, let's just forget. Uh, it's, it's been a, a good couple of years. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Monaco on Steam. Have uh, heist friends. I quit. Heist <laughs> I quit. I'm not. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So this week we're going to be talking about RPGs, and that is a large topic. So Very much so. Yeah, you know, we're probably going to get some spe- specific into some games that we like and some things that we don't like and uh, kind of break it down to a more digestible bit, because if we went over like the entire history of RPGs, we'd be here for 14 hours. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. We're not going to do that. So let's start off with uh, just the defining elements of a role-playing game. Now... This is something that I found kind of tricky to nail down because it's been so like great over the years. Like there's so many games that have RPG elements in them that it's kind of hard to just come up with a list of like the standards, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest defining ones is 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 progression. Is the sense of, of character progression. So I'd like to start there. So okay. explain your your thoughts on character progression because character progression can be narrative it can be mechanical where do you fall on this i think that it's a mix of those things and what i wanted to get into later is is kind of the division between jrpgs and western rpgs okay and where where they stand on expression versus um simply like mechanical changes mm-hmm. but i think that you know you typically will start off as a pretty weak and underpowered, not underpowered, but like lacking powers character, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And then gradually you gain more and more access to these devices which allow you to either express yourself as a character in the world or allow you to play out the role of the character that you're assuming. Mm -hmm. And get more and more complex as you go on and um, games like Chrono Trigger have a this like combination system where mm-hmm. everyone has these elements and you keep getting more of them and then you can combine them so it's just this infinite complex web that just develops over time mm. 
like a like it gets more you get more access to more tools as the game goes on sure yeah and then the enemies also respond to that by right by blocking you or not but you know what i mean like they require more thinking more tools to defeat there's there's a a pretty good curve of uh difficulty and mastery in these games well i mean i okay for me an rpg specifically is just more about choice um and definitely focusing on the choices matter thing. A lot of games that are that call themselves RPGs like to tout the fact that choices matter. And I get the feeling that sometimes that's not the case, which I think anybody who's a fan of Mass Effect will, will feel that way after Mass Effect 3, where it's like the game was basically boiled down into three choices. And like some things that you did over the game, over the game influenced maybe what happened at the end of that. But ultimately, it was like you kind of got railroaded at the end. Um, but that sense of like getting more and more tools is also important too, I guess. Like, because you know, every RPG basically includes some form of leveling or gaining items or something like that to make you feel more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So, see, I, I want to argue uh, against choice in RPGs because mm-hmm. by by definition, a role playing game has you assume a role. So mm-hmm. I I feel like it, uh, like. Dan and I were talking about this earlier in the week. Um, I've been playing New Vegas on and off. Like, I just keep starting new New Vegas games for some reason. And each time mm-hmm. I start... Oh, yeah. Each time I start, I tell myself I'm going to play it this way. I'm going to assume the role... Like, I, uh, what, what did you go with, Dan? Uh, uh, pistol only wheel. hard ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for the sake of this argument, I'm assuming the role of a pistol's only hard ass. So for the duration of the game, regardless of uh, what happens in the game, I am going to treat it like I am this pistol's only hard ass. I'm only going to use pistols. Every dialogue option that pops up that's going to be like rude or super serious, I'm going to choose. Or, or oh, I guess choice there. But I'm going to assume this role of pistol wielding hard ass and stick to it right so and so some of the best like western rpgs i'd say allow you to pick a role like that and then have the ability to facilitate you doing that throughout the entire game but then on the opposite side there's also the narrative ones where it's like you know you're coming into the story and we're just going to tell you a story you don't have the ability to kind of choose the character like you are playing the role of, of cloud strife or titus or mm-hmm. not just to only go final fantasy but you know like uh and, and this is something that i was going to bring up later but i think it kind of fits now is is that uh a lot of jrpg games are more more focused on that um on that narrative base over expression to where you're playing a specific role or a group of people and they all have their own kind of thing their own personalities and all that, and mm-hmm. you just get to experience it. Whereas opposed to like uh, some Western RPGs, maybe like a like a Fallout, mm-hmm. it's more about uh, expressing the character that you want to play in the world. I understand. I think so. Going back to what you said, like you kind of want to argue against choices of matter. I think Dan- Danny's getting into something that's kind of important here, where it's like when you talk about like, oh, I want to move away from making choices or maybe choices matter isn't really the motto of RPGs. I think in the case where you said you're going to do pistols only hard ass, you're you're assuming a role that you want to do. Whereas a lot of people, I think when they come into these games, they don't come into it like, I'm doing pistols only hard ass. They're going to say, well, I'm going to play this game one time through and then maybe I'll play it again in a way that I like the most 
or maybe a way that's unique, different than what I've done before so I can get a different experience. And in that sense, you're, you're still making a choice. Your choice matters in the Fair. sense that you choose to start with... But, uh, yeah, by know, playing a game, you're, you're making a choice, yeah. Yeah, and the thing that I... I mean, I didn't think about it in that way, but the thing I was thinking about more was like when those games, like they kind of give you a fork in the road where like you could choose to side with faction A or choose to side with faction B... I was thinking more about that, but it, it is true that it, it does lie a lot more with just how you play the game itself as well. So Fair. I, I can't argue against that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for me, uh, I definitely like to focus on the choices matter. And to me, the choices matter doesn't have to be about like whether you choose the side of faction A or B, but also how you choose to play the game. Like In my opinion, a good RPG should give you a lot of tools and you should be able to choose which tools you use mm -hmm. you know and it depending on whether you're playing like you know a party-based rpg which a lot of jrpgs are like where you have like magic users and dps's uh and tanks and all that stuff or whether you're playing something more like an ARPG where it's just you're playing a single character and this character has lots of different skills that you can implement at different times. You know, it, there's choice in both of those situations. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think with JRPGs, and, and we'll just kind of segue into the, the sub-genre of RPG, mm -hmm. things like JRPGs, like you said, the action RPGs, um, MMOs, uh, like strategy-based or even, even tabletop RPGs, they all have the like you said these choices that have to be made but how the systems and the mechanics of the game itself interact with each other within the game world i think is the most interesting element to that mm. because when i think of rpgs my brain goes to final fantasy because those are the ones that between final fantasy and like pokemon those are the yeah. ones that got me started and got me into the genre of role-playing games. Yeah, they're like poster childs. They're like the poster childs of the Exactly. RPG. Yeah. And the concept of building a team in Pokemon or choosing a job uh, in Final Fantasy was always interesting to me because I, I it, it created this, um, this emergent storytelling from the game. You, even if something like Pokemon where the, the narrative of the game is super, super like rudimentary, Mm -hmm. Me talking to people or trading with my like, friends at school about how we played and who our favorites were and changing the teams that we used like to battle against each other was just, that's what made it interesting, the, the, the uh, yeah. emergent gameplay. Yeah, I mean, you always wanted to show off your team. You want to be like, hey, man, check out, you know, my shiny Charizard with my blah, 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 mm, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> and the, the people, like, when you get to share what you think is the most cool, like, hey, man, I got this Arcanine. I always thought fire types were really cool. Like Charizard, Arcanine, yeah. you know, and, you know you get to kind of you get that sense of self-expression when you talk to other people about it. I think Pokemon is one of those things that really, really lends itself really well to talking about it to other people yes. as opposed to something like Final Fantasy. Because in Final Fantasy, all the characters, their progression is, is very much kind of railroaded. Well, it's not true with the later ones, but definitely the earlier ones. Like if you're talking about like Final Fantasy 7, 8, or 9... 
and anything before that, all the characters, as they level up, regardless of what playthrough you do, you're going to get this, pretty much the same skills every time. Yeah. You know? And in Final Fantasy VII, I, I don't remember what the other ones would be. They had, like, mechanics that would make that not the case, like Materia, uh, where, you know, you could give a character who may not be really a healer, you could give them a Materia that would allow them to heal, which is really cool. Uh, definitely the later Final Fantasies, they developed it more, so there was a lot more freedom. One of the, my the, personal the, favorites is the skill Final Fantasy XII. Yeah, like skill trees and stuff like that. But I won't talk about my, my favorites too much, because I know that's a later topic. So, I mean, it's just going to kind of all merge together, because we're just so passionate about RPGs. RPG talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So before we get too deep into that, I, I do want to say something that the reason I think that the main reason that I play RPGs is that it's it's really just a, a checklist of things that make you feel good for accomplishing them, and then you combine them all into an actual story for me. And this comes in especially when we, when we talk about MMOs. But you know, it's like go do this quest, go do this quest. Okay, that took ten minutes, and you feel a little better because you made some progress, and mm-hmm. your character's got a little better because you made some progress, and. It all kind of feeds into it, but it's it's like these little victories that make you feel good. You right. Say that it's like a, a little dopamine rush or whatever it is, but where you get you know, sucked like, in, basically, you get sucked into the world that you're playing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's it's those little victories that add up into a epic moment, usually, where it's like, okay, I've done like 50 quests, and now Side I can quest, go quest. fight the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Side quest, main quest. That's what we call. It. <laughs> where you just like you start playing the game, and like this is a, especially if you play like any of the Elder Scrolls games. It's always side quest, main quest. Like where you're like, all right, yeah. they told me I need to go to this mountain and check out this cave or whatever. And oh wait, you need help finding your little son who's been lost in the forest. Let me go look for him. And all of a sudden, you're in this <laughs> temple of just droggers and you're fighting fucking just all these different enemies and you're just like wait i don't even remember what i was doing originally and that's those are always i think that's the goal of any game is to immerse you so much where you almost forget that you're playing it so sure now, yeah. i want to i want to posit a question and i'm going to throw out some some loaded buzzwords and i want to get uh, both of your opinions on this. oh boy so in rpgs that are heavily narrative based that have side quests like skyrim like breath of the wild Usually it's some otherworldly, world-ending, demonic presence that you have to defeat or, or uh, go through the steps to overcome. But mm-hmm. then you have these silly side quests, and like um, ProZD on, on YouTube makes fun of it, like, well, I have to collect all 30 pine cones or else I don't get the shiny stick. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that that's a, a huge problem with, uh, with open-world games. Particularly, so does it like, does the ludo narrative dissonance of that? It's my favorite. I love that. Word. I wanted to say that so bad. Does that does that <laughs> affect your immersion? Do you do you feel that by going on side quests and by effectively breaking the narrative, does that mess up your enjoyment of the game, or does it uh, add to it because it expands on the world that does exist? I think. I feel like, I don't know, it's almost, I feel like you could almost draw like parallels to like real world where it's like overarching in our world, there's tons of stuff that's going on all the time that is like, it could, you almost could classify as impending doom. Like I imagine if you lived during the Cold War, you were always scared shitless that you were going to die from a nuclear explosion. Uh, but there are still things going on even at the same time. However, the thing I think where games lose touch 
with that aspect of reality is that there's no sense of urgency. Like in Skyrim, if it's like Aldo in his back and he's going to fucking destroy the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, I got to go find this kid's sweet roll to return it to him. <laughs> I'm the dragonborn, but I'm looking for this kid's sweet roll because it's really important. You know, it. there's no sense of urgency like where you feel like this is almost too ridiculous for me, the dragonborn, to be doing right now. Why am I wasting my time on this? On the other hand, though, they do have those quests where it's like uh, you run into what are the what are the like gods called? There's oh, like I've the, played Skyrim. Uh, Dragon Prince? Not just, not just, no, not that. Oh, God, I can't remember. Uh, they're like demons. Uh, oh, oh, like oh, Meridia oh, 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 oh. and Mayrune Dagon. Daedric? Yeah, the Daedric, yeah. So, like, when you run into a Daedric temple or something, that feels more worthy of your time. But, yeah, I mean... So, yeah. the nature of the side quest determines whether or not it's, like, worth it or, yeah, or, game, or, so. or immersion breaking. Yeah, but I also think, like, early in the game, like, if you're starting off early in the game, you don't really know your purpose in the world just yet, and you're mm. doing, you're finding little Billy Sweet Roll for him because he lost it, I don't know, in a well or something, and you go it's down the well. probably a bad Sweet Roll at that point. <laughs> it's probably is. But you go down the well, and you fight some mermen or some crap like that, or giant crabs. <laughs> like, you feel kind of accomplished early on in the story, and then later on, it's just like, well, I just one-shot all these things, and those, this was pretty useless. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but they could probably, like, time-lock some of the quests or, like, you know, they do they do some, like, conditional quests where it's like, if you've done this, you can't do this anymore, or you only can do this until or while you've got this item. I think it's important to introduce those things, but that makes development a lot harder. So, I mean. True, very true. You, you, you just said the phrase, uh, your purpose in this world and i actually really like how you said that because if you look mm. at a game like uh, a role-playing game like dungeon and dragons if you have a a good dm or a gm the world is literally endless um and there's a concept in narrative where a narrative is never complete where like between novels movies games etc there's always the minutia like the in-between stuff that you don't right. see yeah. so even though a game like Skyrim, Morrowind, uh, Fallout, Fallout 4, they're huge and you can play them for hundreds, thousands of hours, there's still limits to them. Whereas something like D&D or, or even Eve, like we were talking about earlier, that can go for literal years. Like a, right. a campaign can go for years. So with the two extremes, do you think that there's like a sweet spot of... Uh, role-playing or do you think that you you should limit yourself in you should limit your scope of your game i mean in my opinion less is more i think that to task yourself with telling all the narratives or even the majority of the narratives that exist in the world regardless of their importance you're going to end up like george R. R. martin like constantly behind schedule writing writing all these side stories which that's not to say the quality isn't there because he's definitely got some good quality stuff but it's just it takes so much time and you really have to prioritize what's more important me telling all these narratives is that my ultimate goal in making this game or do i really want the gameplay to be nice streamlined the world to feel immersive do i want the characters to have some really good development or do I want to focus on these side stories? Like you have to, you have to make some sacrifices, you know, it's the principle of allocation. 
So. So I think something that this feeds into is a very unique RPG concept, which is just grinding. And when you were talking about the Skyrim Sweet World Quest, it made me think of, like, the only other reason besides, like, wanting to get the narrative out of that, which there probably isn't much, but there could be, because it's an Elder Scrolls game, you know, there's always ridiculous stuff like that, but um, you could just want to do that to maybe level up, like, a particular skill or something, or maybe you don't feel like you're ready to... or, Or even, like... Uh, you're one level away from getting this one perk you wanted. So it's like, okay, I'll go get your fucking sweet roll. Right. Just yeah. to unlock this thing. And and uh, not to derail the other conversation, but I, I feel like grinding is this element that fits in to the RPGs because in some cases, like, it's mandatory. Like, in, in the early Final Fantasies, like, and that's why I can't really get too into that. Matthew's a big fan of Final I am, Fest. yeah. I mean, I mean, and I like grinding, but... There's particular games where it's, like, less fun to me. Yeah, I think grinding... I have a love-hate relationship with grinding. I don't like to grind, personally. But I love the, just, like, the full-on egotistical feeling I get when I just completely demolish a boss in, like, two hits. Like, (laughs) it's the best feeling ever. But I just, I don't like, I don't like for grinding to be mandatory. I think the way the game is paced should allow you to kind of... You might have to. You might fight a little bit more enemies here. You might fight a little bit less enemies here, and you should be able to take tackle each challenge within reason. Okay. Now, I, I'm not going to say the same. I think that's only appropriate for mainline stuff, not for side quest stuff. In the case of like Disgaea, I, you say you're really big into the grind. I don't know if you played Disgaea before, but that game is a goddamn grind fest. Like the whole purpose is just to grind everything to the max. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get too deep into it because of that. I just couldn't. It's like a uh, strategy kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's a strategy. It's like a tactical RPG. Okay. Uh, made by, I think it's like Nippon Soft. I don't remember exactly the name of the, the developer or whatever. Uh, but it's it's got it's got several. It's got many games, and they're they're very entertaining. Um, I'm just not as big into the grinding aspect. I just can't. My brain just doesn't want to to do that i i'm i'm with you on that like i feel like i've grown out of the love of grinding because i i remember playing final fantasy specifically five final fantasy five and pokemon and all those games where it's it it, like you said it's mandatory to grind or else the game is monumentally more difficult and there's there's this odd trade-off of if i grind I'm going to enjoy the game less, but if I don't, I'm going to enjoy the game less, but because it's more difficult. So, you know, go ahead. Sorry. uh, In more recent years, I have played less and less JRPGs for that exact reason, because I feel like JRPGs as a genre, I guess that's limiting and I'm going to use it reductively. Um, JRPGs as a whole really do focus on the mechanical aspect of the games so they really want you to invest in the systems invest in the skill trees like like, uh final fantasy 10 and the sphere grid they want you to like spend a shit ton of time in the thunder planes just knocking out enemies so you can get enough spheres to go into the unalaska fight so you don't get swept in one hit and it yeah like I, i remember like even as when when did that game come out? Like two thousand two, two thousand one. 
I remember being so frustrated that like I'd stopped playing it for like a month. And that, <laughs> and that was like when like your one game that you got every nine months or whatever was supposed to last you until the next. Oh God. Yeah. So like yeah. I, like I swore off video games or whatever because I was so pissed at this one section of one game just because I had to, to grind. Like, you know, I, you make a good point. You make a good point. Uh, I think the, the bonus content in these games is what will usually do that to you, though. Because like, I feel like when I played through like Final Fantasy X, or I'll be honest, my first the first Final Fantasy game I owned was Final Fantasy X-2, and I Ooh. love that game. I'm so sorry. I love it. <laughs> Something about... Something about the way the game started, I felt embarrassed because I think one time my brother and my mom walked in. Oh, dude. Play. Oh, dude. <laughs> Change it to ninja mode. The first, the first, like, there, I watched the first cutscene of the game, and it's like, because this is just after Christmas, like, a long time ago. And they, they're dancing and singing, and you got these girls kicking these. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't know. I just fell in love with the game because it was the first time I got to own a Final Fantasy game. And then something about the idea of dress spheres just like was really enchanting to me. But that's yes. neither here nor there. There are parts of that game, like you could go through the main part of that game very easily without going out of your way to grind because of random encounters. Random encounters are honestly the bane of my existence just because they for they almost force you to grind sometimes in that you sometimes can't get through an area because the counters are so numerous mm-hmm. that you just get you just waste all your resources to get wiped until you can reach a save point. Uh, that's not to say that the mainline story of Ten Two is very hard, but the side quest stuff is what will get you. Okay? Yeah, because yeah. there's stuff in like the Beaconel Desert where it's like a uh, angry angry Manu or something. I can't remember the name of the boss, but I had the huge strategy guy for Final Fantasy Ten Two, and I would look at him like, dude, this boss is ridiculous. It's got ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine HP and ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine MP, and it fucking does attacks that can kill you when hit. Like, how am I supposed to beat? And I just like I. I couldn't invest the time. Like I just, I didn't bother to invest the time. Even though there were a combination of dress spheres that were inherently broken in that game, like uh, Duel, Dark Knight, and Alchemist, like that could easily get you through pretty much every boss. Like I killed the last boss with literally no sweat in that game because I just had double Dark Knight and Alchemist, which. And if you haven't played the game, it doesn't mean much, but it's just basically like you have two abil- two characters that are spamming abilities that are AoE unblockable, and they take HP, and then you have another character that's constantly spamming Mega Potions because they can just create Mega Potions. It, you're creating this situation where it's like it's very easy to get through anything, and I chose to play the game like that because I thought it was fun, but... I it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work when you were met with another challenge. And I guess you could say that kind of makes me less of a rigorous gamer because I was playing kind of easy mode with those those that combination. There's no shame I just in chose, that. Yeah, I don't think there's any shame. I was enjoying the narrative at that point, but it definitely made it so that when I was confronted with the challenge, I was less likely to try and adapt to it. Which I think I've changed as I've gotten older. I think I've changed in that respect. Like I really try to figure out what ways I can break a game. Mm-hmm. to make those situations more doable. I, I feel that on, on a deep personal level. Yeah. <laughs> Darkest Dungeon is my current, like, I am trying to figure out how to break you. Oh, and it is, it is I, I have a really long flight coming up, and I'm tempted to get that for the Switch, just so I can just sit on the plane and just, like, not look up for Honestly, can I, I, 
I have to tell you, please don't get it for the Switch. Not because I don't think the Switch is a good console. If Unless you travel a lot, which, yes, that's fine. But I think that being able to mod a uh, game... Okay, all right. I, ...opens I, so many possibilities. I do. I strongly agree with you on that because I tear apart Fallout. Like, yeah, I, see? Been, there you go. So, oh, that, that's a good point. I, I don't have Darkest Dungeon. I do have Steam, and I do have a Switch. And I do have a yeah. flight, so I might, I might get it on Switch, but there's a balance. I think you should probably invest a lot of time in a game unmodded first. I try fair. to do that. That's but fair. But they're definitely if you have a good community supporting a game like Darkest Dungeon or Fallout or mm-hmm. Skyrim, mm-hmm. it's just so it gives the game so much life to know that the community is like, look, there is this problem, and I try to make it better, or I'm just adding a whole new sector to the game. For me, Darkest Dungeon, it's like adding classes, and sometimes the classes are a little bit overtuned, and you you can make that choice though not to play them, but it's just is it just adds so much life to a game, especially RPGs when you can say, hey, I had all this choice, here's some more choices, and it just makes it so much fun, more fun for me. So well, that brings up an interesting point: uh, the the concept of community through RPGs, because games like Persona, as an RPG have a massive like I'm going to say cult like following to be a little yes, rude. Yes, I agree with you 100%. But, <laughs> it's not even a cult, it's like a nation. It, it's almost it's it's borderline <laughs> it's religion. <laughs> and, and Dan, I, you're you're yeah. a fan of the series, you've played the series. I have not, so I can't comment on this, but let's talk about community for a second. Like I'm going to throw this over to you Dan. What is the Persona community like because it is so fervorous, if that's even a word? I was watching the Persona live sound bomb concert thing, and there's just people of all ages there, just rocking out to the soundtrack. And it it kind of dawned on me that like this is a it's a fucking phenomenon over there. And like I don't know, I I think that it's about sharing the experiences of the characters. Like the way I see people on Twitter interacting and stuff like that is like, oh my god, I couldn't believe that uh, Futaba's storyline ended like that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's no there's no choice really of like how, and this is what I was saying earlier is that like JRPGs usually focus more on like the narrative that they want to tell as opposed to giving you the tools to express your own story. And I think that that fits in with Persona because they have a very, very selective story to tell. And you know, it, you can go about and you have the freedom to choose how you spend your days and what relationships you're going to bolster and, what you're going to do on this particular Tuesday to make your team better or whatever, but it's all feeding into this narrative that is constructed from the ground up to be a uh, linear sort of thing. I think it's really interesting how that community is actually divided in the sense that there's Shin Megami Tensei and then there's Persona, right. and they're essentially, like gameplay-wise, very, very similar. But people will be like, SMT is shit, Persona is great, and then there's people who say vice versa, and I just think it's like, I'm an outside spectator. I've played a little bit of Persona, I've played a little bit of SMT, I like the games, I think I'm more SMT than Persona personally, but like, the investment that you get with character development, and let's be honest, like waifus is a whole big thing when it comes to RPGs, (laughs) that's a whole nother conversation, but like, it's 
just crazy how there are people who like are like, I like Persona because it lets me talk to people. It lets me feel like I'm developing a relationship. And then people will say, I like SMT because it feels like I'm playing a, I'm playing a game and it's challenging. Uh, not to say that Persona can't be challenging, but I feel I feel like I get more of a like a mechanic vibe from SMT. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, full disclosure: I've never even touched an SMT game. Just just Persona. They're good for me. I yeah, touched neither. Uh, I think yeah, I think I played but, a bit of Persona Four on your Vita like two years ago. Yeah, but I'm gonna say probably Vita. like twenty Vita minutes. Vita Master of it. Race. Vita so. Master Race. Oh, wow, I don't think anybody's ever said that. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> Nobody I, I met a person. In the of it's ever. still a viable console. It's not. Why are they it's not. Why are they releasing free <laughs> PS Plus games for it still then? Uh, because uh, people own it, even if they're garbage. I think it's, it's, it's probably towards the end of its development cycle, but oh, it's God. not Dude, dead they, yet. They're canceling all physical copies like today, I'm pretty sure. And then, oh like, really? They're uh, they're slowly just gonna let it die slowly. Uh, they're gonna do what they're doing cry. with the 3ds, where they're like, yeah, we're still gonna make games for it, and then like four years from now, it's gonna be uh, like MLB 2K. Like, the 3ds is, is fucking dead too. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're, the 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 final game release for the Vita is gonna be. An EA sports game. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's, no. Gonna, it's gonna be a, a ported EA sports game, or, or like NHL twenty twenty. That's what I, I predict exactly. right now. Ooh, ooh, the prediction's coming. Out. <laughs> NHL twenty twenty is gonna be the last game for PSV. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna play it because that's a damn good damn. game on a damn good console. Oh, <laughs> You're gonna play as the only hockey player you can name. John Tavares. <laughs> John Tavares. He just got traded over. He got traded to the Canadians. All right, returning back to Persona. Yeah, we got, we got slow sideline. <laughs> NHL 2020, you heard it here. Uh, um, so wait, one of the things that, I mean, one of the things you want to talk about was the difference between WRPGs, JRPGs, or different just subgenres RPGs. And I just yeah. want to talk about that briefly. Uh, starting off with the big one, which is actually, I don't want to start with WRPG or JRPG. I actually want to start with MMOs. Okay, um, thank you. This is where I've been waiting to go for this entire all right, cool. freaking show. All right, so, so I'll have my soapbox, but go ahead, go ahead. Go all ahead. right, MMOs by definition they they should be massive multiplayer online. I mean, they have a lot of people, and typically you have all these people trying to achieve the same goal, but in different with different paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely are railroaded, and kind of going back to something that we talked about earlier, where it's like, do you invest in all the little side narratives of the world, or do you keep the game streamlined? MMOs definitely are going on invest in all the different side stories because you have literally thousands, depending on how popular a game is, thousands or hundreds of thousands of people playing a game, and they're going to explore every damn corner of it. So you got to give them something to do. Um, and then, of course, you have in-game content. MMOs are always about in-game content. Unfortunately, MMOs, as much as I hate to say, MMOs are dead. They're dead. It's, it's, they're, I don't think that the internet facilitates the presence of MMOs. There's a lot less sense of community. People are a lot more fleeting in their interests. And I think that what bound people to play MMOs, guilds, friends, connecting with people who you'll never meet, I think that's gone. I think the social aspect of MMOs has just completely died. Uh, so, and except in like small pockets of community, and I think just because of that, MMOs are dead. That's that's just my opinion. So, that's a fine argument. And uh, yeah, the main thing that I was going to bring up was you know the only reason I played WoW for so long was because I stuck with the same guild for six, seven years. You know, yeah. So that that aspect of it just kept me playing because it's it really it got to a point where like i wasn't even enjoying the game i was just enjoying hanging out with the people that i had been friends with for for years and years and that's why i play league of legends 
Like, don't, don't, I don't enjoy that <laughs> game at all. <laughs> I just oh, love to play with my friends. Yeah, I, uh, I think Alan said it's like, I don't even like playing that game. It's just a way to facilitate hanging out with my friends. <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I want I want to uh, contradict your point. I don't think MMO... I think everything has... Like, in, in trends, in pop culture, you have ebbs and flows. I think right now, what we're seeing is... We're still seeing MMO games... Between, mm-hmm. especially with shooters and especially with um, MOBAs, but I think we're just kind of like the popularity of the MMORPG really peaked with World of Warcraft, and I think it's kind of just like on oh, its downward thing. But I think at some point you're going to see a return to uh, a massively multiplayer role playing game. I agree. I, I, I it's just that. a matter of time. So. And, the wow dilemma is that it's it's just like David was saying. They, yeah. oh, this bothers me. I just like like threw up in my mouth a little bit because I'm so sick of it. Thanks like, for sharing. Your they they ruined <laughs> they ruined the social aspect of it. Where before you would wander around a zone and it's like, oh, okay, I know that there's like this dungeon here. I really want to get like five people together for this dungeon. So then you start asking in chat. You're like looking for a group. I'm tank. Would you like to join a group? And then, like, you know, it takes a while, maybe half an hour, and you finally get a group together, and everyone's kind of talking the whole time, and, and then you finally go, and you have, you have to actually travel to the dungeon, you know, like on foot or on a mountain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get there, and everyone meets up, and, you know, then you start seeing everyone's characters, and that's fun. And then you start doing the dungeon, and, you know, there's some problems that arise because this guy didn't do this thing right or whatnot, and you're talking about it the whole time. And that was, like a really good experience for me. It was just that, that social aspect of overcoming a challenge through not tremendous odds, but you know, like there's, it's a challenge to work with four other people in a party right. to, to get something done. So I think in, in an age where like, why has been around for so long? Like, I feel like they've, I'm not going to say that they have exhausted the playbook. Cause I, I, I just have never been invested enough in while to really know what all it has to offer. But I think one of the things I can remember people always talking about is like the problem or a source of issue for that social aspect is party finder where yeah I want to do this dungeon let me just queue up in my party finder I don't have to like it's across it goes across servers too doesn't it yeah so yeah. that's exactly where I was gonna go it, it totally ruined the social aspect because now it's just and party finder is not the end of it now there's raid finder too which is like Okay, let's get forty people together, which is, you know, it's like this whole thing to back in the day you know, to plan this out to have um, uh, pugs, you know, like random people just join, uh, and it was just this whole event to get like literally forty people together to try right. and attempt this thing, and and now it's like okay, let me just queue up, and they've also toned down the difficulty on a lot of the things, and it's just like yep. there's no social fun to it anymore it's just it's just a grind and that's not why people play those games in my opinion i think the problem with that is that it's almost like the same issue you have with league where it's you really enjoy playing with your friends but you really hate playing with randoms because randoms you have no sort of connection to them at all if they make a mistake you're a lot more likely to notice it you know you're a lot more likely to flame somebody if you're that kind of person uh, and it's so it's just there's no sense of you don't build a sense of community when you use party finder or raid finder and right, right. and where in those other cases you 
to if you wanted to run a dungeon, you had to be a part of a guild. And you had to ask people like, hey, let's get together and do the or you had to round up some random people like you did with your weird like deep tank voice, like, hey guys, you wanna play this? like I just can't imagine. I can just imagine Danny going around hey guys, trying people, to go on a raid. Hey, let's play a raid <laughs> together, guys. You know, but it just is like because you don't have to step out of your comfort zone that's really what it is you don't have to step out of your comfort zone but here's the thing party finder you feel like it's almost a necessary evil to have though you know but because because it eliminates that social aspect it weakens the purpose of a guild you know right right are you familiar with uh chris franklin uh aaron signal no He's a he does YouTube uh, analysis of games and very very insightful. I highly recommend anyone watch his stuff if you're interested in game design, game mechanics, game theory. He has a video from a little while ago called uh, "Social Spaces and Payload Races," and he he discusses the the social changes in multiplayer games, and he compares uh, TF2 to Overwatch and how mm. what you're saying with um, with WoW, like at the beginning, how there was the social element of it where it was a place... He's he, The way he f- uh, phrased it was, Team Fortress 2 is where you go to meet your friends, whereas Overwatch is something you do with your friends. Hmm. And I, I really, really like how he phrased that. Um, but what you're saying with WoW, to me, sounds exactly like that, how in the beginning, you would get on WoW to meet your friends, and now, because of the simplification and the the tools that Blizzard has implemented to keep things, I don't want to say safe, but like streamlined, neat. Yeah. There's the buzzword I was looking for. Blizzard is fantastic at streamlining. Modern Blizzard is fantastic at streamlining experiences. Well, that's that's always been their... I, I don't want to say that's, that's their goal, but they've definitely historically and observably... Uh, taken something popular, whether it be RPG, RTS, um, MOBA, and simplified it so it's accessible to a wider audience. Cause, uh, I see. Right. Heroes right. of Storm is a very good example of, of making something like a MOBA genre very accessible. Because MOBAs, if you're starting from like Dota to Dota 2, like that shit was not accessible in the sense that like you had to know. So, like, I. I have put probably like 100, 200 uh, hours into Dota Dota 2, and I still barely know how to play that fucking game. Is Dota Valve or is Dota Blizzard? Oh, sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. That's no, no, no. no. I was. Dota Dota is Valve. Dota is Valve. It started Uh, off as a mod on Warcraft 3, though, right? Yes. It started off as WC3 mod, then they made it so then it was Dota, then it was Dota 2, and. But the thing about Dota 2 is that it's always been so accessible, or so inaccessible just because of how much you had to know, how clunky the game feels when you first play it, but as you get more used to it, it doesn't feel clunky. Then League came out, and it was like all the people who felt like they just couldn't understand how to play Dota had a place to go and sink a shit ton of time into. And then late to the game, very late to the game, here's a storm came out. And when I played that, I was like, this shit is like so easy to just drop in and play. And you don't feel like you don't know anything because there's no items. You know, it's very straightforward. Like, you know, complete the quest that comes up on the map, stay in lane to get the experience, gank people if you have a ganking character, farm if you need to. You know, it, and they also eliminated like farming 
farming was not something that was required anymore because there's there's no gold, you know. Uh, so they streamlined that that MOBA experience definitely, uh, so which was this, very impressive. This is interesting to me um, because this this is just a very like this is a very observable uh, observation. That's a shit way of phrasing that of the the iterative <laughs> nature of games and how mechanics and, and elements in RPGs and in games in general change over time. So kind of like what we were talking about earlier um, with grind and everything, that was such a core part of the JRPG experience, the Final Fantasy experience, the Pokemon experience. And now because grinding grinding uh, detracts players, it's become removed. Or you said earlier the random encounters were the bane of your existence. Games like uh, Bravely, Bravely Default, now you can adjust how often enemies right. appear in other games like um i was i've been playing the the octopath traveler demo which is interesting and that's a discussion for another what, day what a horrible name it really is <laughs> it's so pretty though it, it's actually very interesting but the enemies on screen you can see yeah um in certain parts i should phrase that there are still the random encounters but in certain parts you you can see an enemy and avoid them if need be right, right. so the the progression of the JRPG has gone from grind until your fingers hurt to you can make it through the game but it's not going to be great or if you want to just grind you can just grind or if you just kind of like want to walk around you can just walk around right. there, there's a lot of a lot more control over that uh, we could kind of use that to segue into talking about the differences between JRPGs and WRPGs because sure. like my favorite Final Fantasy game uh, Final Fantasy 12 made it so the combat, like the combat, definitely had its downsides. I'm not. I am not gonna say that it was the best Final Fantasy game ever because it wasn't. I just enjoyed how much freedom they gave you with the combat because you could literally see the enemies on the field and you just run into them and it doesn't. It doesn't do like the screen shatter and you're now in this like screen where it's like mm -hmm. uh, turn based. It's all always real time and from the moment you could get the jump on enemies even by asking like commanding your character to target an enemy before they got a chance to target you and you could get the jump on them like that if you invested that little extra time to be careful to do that sometimes enemies would just jump out at you they would you would just run into a random encounter where like they spawned out of the wall or something and mm -hmm. i just really enjoyed like the ability to go into a fight instantly or decide i'm going to run away from all this by just holding on to the flea button and running through the enemies you know and that was one of my one one thing that made it one of my favorite games um Western RPGs, I don't ever get the feeling I play a Western RPG that is built like that, where it's like, I have a party and we're fighting monsters. I always feel like when I play a Western RPG, I'm kind of by myself, mm -hmm. and I'm navigating through some open world to achieve something uh, by myself. Yeah, and so I've brought this up like a few times throughout the show, but I really think there is this focus in WRPGs on player expression, uh, the perfect example is the new Ve uh, New Vegas, like we were talking about earlier. It's a, I'm yeah. going to be a bare knuckle brawler, smooth talker, and mm. you have the ability to play that role. Whereas right. you know the JRPG is like, um, okay, so I, I haven't played twelve, so I can but uh, ten, <laughs> right? You have yeah. this team of people, and they're going on this quest to go, you know, kill daddy and all that stuff. So of course, <laughs> go kill daddy, <laughs> go kill daddy. But uh, yeah, so it's. I don't think that's don't quite know, they, the plot they, line of 10. They've, <laughs> they've both just been 
developed and inspired in two different, completely different areas of the world. So it's, but, so what I wanted to ask Matt right now is, what do you think of the fusion of the two in Kingdom Hearts? Because we see these very uh, different game styles, and I don't know if it's an exact fusion because I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan, so I don't really. So I, can't I've speak to played, that with the exception of Birth by Sleep, I have played all of the Kingdom Hearts games. I've played Dream Drop. You played twenty five, forty four over divided by two. Excuse three hundred fifty eight half days. Over, three five eight over <laughs> three hundred fifty eight half days. Um, yes, yeah. the answer is yes. I, I before I answer that question, I want to say something. You you kind of like piqued my interest. Um, the concept of the lone hero versus the party, I think that yeah. also has to do with uh, cinema. And uh, yeah. as a film student um, or someone and someone who just devours film obsessively, if you look at Japanese films, a lot of their characters or a lot of like the heroes are characters of legend they're already established they're mm-hmm. well developed whereas in hollywood a lot of the heroes are very plain they're very blank slate so you can see yourself in them they don't have a lot of depth to them like, like realistically how interesting is luke skywalker in the original star wars trilogy he's, he's kind oh, of good point. he's not really remarkable in any kind of way, uh, he's very plain in his styling. But never conversely, exactly. Conversely, Han Solo and Darth Vader, they are in elaborate like costumes. They're cocky. They have the one-liners. They have their their whole persona is built around being cool and being seen. Mm-hmm. So, I think the the division in JRPG and uh, Western RPG has its roots in cinema. Or, or even uh, fiction, just, just in general. general yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think well, that is an interesting uh, comparison, because in game design, there is the... the Dan, do you remember... Um, the, not 16 rules. The, the good design, or learning in game design, James Paul G. Yeah. Uh, his whole concept, or his theory behind it, is you have the blank slate and the developed character. And when you go extremely in one of those two directions, that's when it makes a good game. But if you kind of muddy the waters with, like, you can kind of customize him, but it's still, like, it's not great for for immersion, for um, connecting with a game. Hmm. I kind of went on a tangent there to work out my own thoughts, but I think you guys understood me <laughs> the show's therapeutic you know that's, that's, it's it that's i'm not gonna say it's not it's I definitely like i am realizing stuff. a lot more about these games than i would have thought on my own so that's good hey it's, it's a it's a learning experience for all of us can we talk about the stylistic choices between jrpgs and wrpgs that's always that's always just like the most fascinating to me like what do you mean like when I say stylistic, I'm literally talking about aesthetic. So like, okay. I feel like anytime I play a JRPG, there is a lot of focus on like flash, and there's a yeah. lot of focus on on like almost nonsensical character design at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when I play a WRPG, like if I, I we just keep going back to Fallout, but I, you know you play Fallout and in like pretty much every game you start 
as a guy or a girl, if you made it like that, you start as a guy or girl wearing a vault suit and you look really just kind of unintimidating for a very long time until you start to get like power armor or something. Uh, and even if you look at like the Witcher, like he basically kind of wears the same thing the whole time. He is kind of intimidating, but he, he he looks the same the whole time. He's not he doesn't stand out in a crowd aside from his white hair and his attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good point. Um, I think if you look at concept art for Western RPGs, and I'm I'm going to specifically talk about Dungeons and Dragons, there is there are obviously two different influences. Um, with a lot of RPGs, both in Japan and uh, the States. But the States, usually RPGs focus on the European medieval side of things, whereas Japan obviously focuses on the Japanese medieval side of things. So you have that uh, that fork in the road between the, the samurai culture and the Japanese myths and legends, and you have the European myths and legends and the European armor and knights and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think if you look at concept art for a lot of Western RPGs, you're going to see a Eurocentric influence, which, obviously. But at the same time, you're going to see the orcs and the myths, uh, the, the, the imps and dragons and stuff like that. So I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's fair to say that uh, Western RPGs are drab. I think they're just different, and it's kind yeah. of... I don't want to say fetishizes... Um, like it, I think that there is a huge problem with fetishization in the States with Japanese culture, especially oh, yeah. with gamers. So I think seeing that whole like high fantasy uh, samurai-esque stuff is very interesting because it's different from our perceived norm. Yeah. I definitely... I don't think I have a problem with the way a lot of uh, Japanese games look. Honestly, I actually kind of like the anime aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um when with some with some kind of reservations like mm-hmm. i <laughs> there's there's a little bit of a little bit of i don't know i'm a more conservative person especially if i think about what i would like a character to look like i'm a more conservative person and i just like i can't ever get past like characters with gigantic titties and their Dan and i have an episode it. dedicated to j- jiggle physics oh man i just can't I, ugh. I bet you talked a lot about Dead or Alive. Or... Did you ever play uh, Dragon's Crown? It's like a side scroll. Oh my god! I played like <laughs> I played like an hour of Dragon's Crown. I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" It's a really good game. It's, it's a good like, game, but it's like but... it's hidden behind like this this visage. Like when you play the mage or the witch or whatever, you're just like, "Dude, yeah. I can't." I have such a hard time taking this seriously. Even if you go. If you go and look up like the concept art from the game, where I feel like things are usually a little bit more controlled, it's it's very much the same. It's very much the same, and I'm not saying that that makes it a bad game. It definitely doesn't. But it de- it takes somebody who's who doesn't either likes it a lot or doesn't pay it a lot of attention in order to enjoy it. You know, like it's hard to like have that aesthetic and play it as a person who's like, imagine you're like some Christian gamer or something. <laughs> <laughs> and like, ah, well, you know, my Christian sensibilities say that I probably shouldn't like this, but I'm still going to play. You know, it, and I'm not trying to speak for everybody who's part of that religion or anything, but it's, you, you know, you get what I'm trying to say though. Like some people with like maybe more conservative sensibilities would look at that and go, like, hmm. 
probably not for me. And just, probably really just based off the looks. Just based on the aesthetic, yeah. yeah can yeah. you imagine, like, just based off the way a game looks, somebody will not play it. I No, I am, I am 100% one of those people for uh, unnecessary reasons, really. Yeah. I, if I'm going to stare at something for 20 hours, I want it to be something that I find aesthetically pleasing. True. And at the, same, at the same time, I've definitely played through games that I think are ugly, but, but play great. Right. And True. Like, I'm a big fan of, of the 8-bit era, and I'm, I'm, I've played a fair number of NES games. And a lot of the NES games, aside from the fact that, that graphics don't hold up, they're muddy and they're ugly, but they're, they still feel so pleasing to play. Right. And then, contrarily, you have stuff like Mario and Metroid, which are still gorgeous to this day because Nintendo took some time and a little bit of polish. Right. So, David, what do you think about... And I, and I know that it has largely to do with like when it came out and people were excited about it, but I think Final Fantasy VII is pretty ugly. Like Absolutely. No, yeah. like, it doesn't... But, the aesthetics are not going to hold up to, to today's standards. Now, anybody who says it looked... It looks good now. Are, are they're looking through us in the glasses? But for the time, you always have to you always have to take yeah. these things the in context. Temporal displacement. Blah. You know, right, you right. you have to like remember at the time that everything was low poly count, and yeah. were they able to communicate what was going on with that low poly count with the limited resources that they did have or the technology available? The answer is yes. Were there times where I was like, "What the fuck am I looking at?" Yes. But they still like the scene. There's a scene where like Cloud has to cross dress, and then oh, yeah. it came across very well. <laughs> I understood, but I was looking at it very clearly. Yeah, definitely. So I, I you know. I've said this before. I have never played Final Fantasy VII, but because of the internet, I know the inner workings of that game too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And let's. Here's the thing. <clears throat> it looked very low poly count. In the open world aspect, right, where you're walking around and interacting with the world, but when it came right. to battles, battle, yeah. things were a it's little a bit more thing. polished. And you have to remember they also, on top of that, they have to add like effects of abilities, like when you punch somebody, what happens yeah. when you do the people's. I don't think they were were they called limit breaks in that game. Yeah. I don't yes. remember. Yeah, when you do people's limit breaks, what does it look like? You know. So and, approaching it from a um, from a modern lens, though, like. So we were talking about Dragon's Crown and how some people wouldn't be okay with playing that game just on the way it looks. I don't think I know that one. You should you should look it up right now. You also you know right. you also can look up while you're at it. Look up Senran Kagura, and that will be another example of how the like, fuck do you spell that? Uh, S E N R A N space K A G U R A. Okay. Yeah. So I know that it's kind of apples and oranges for comparing anime titties to like yeah. just low poly, but. Like, if there was someone who had never played Final Fantasy VII, Matthew's a good example, maybe, but, like, for him to go back, like, I think it would... I just... I'm wondering if people can get over that low-poly style in mm. in 2018 and uh, enjoy the game for what it is. Oh, I know, well, I know Dragon's Crown. I've played Dragon's Crown. Yeah, I have. There you go. I love Dragon's Crown. <laughs> well, like Matt said... <laughs> You love Dragon's Crown. Okay, I got it. Hey, 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 hey. This, is, this is a judgment-free zone. All right. The, the mage is fine. Tumblr, Matthew. Uh, all right, that's fine. That's fine. We don't uh, talk I about think... Tumblr anymore, all right? <laughs> it's been years. Matt said it earlier where things are kind of... Oh, my God. 
things are kind of cyclical where it's like MMOs are kind of dying now, but I'm sure they make a resurgence where it's like, I'm not going to say that the, the PS1 Jar- our era of, of, of graphics oh. is going to make a resurgence. But I, I definitely on. believe that people can get over it if it's kind of updated to look like it was on purpose. So like, I'm going to interrupt you. Um, I follow the indie... I follow a lot of indie developers. I follow the indie scene of games probably closer than I should. And that is very, very much what is popular now. Uh, two games right. that came out this year. One is Paratopic, which is an incredible narrative game. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, they intentionally... It's a horror game, so the disfigured, awkward poly rendering of, of the PS1 N64 era really fits that aesthetic and looking at it right now it's it honestly it, it's definitely worth an investment if you if you buy it on itch or i guess i think you can buy it straight from their site i'm not from i'm not entirely sure oh uh, yeah i see what i'm looking at you okay, should definitely yeah. look into that it, it's about 45 minutes long it's definitely definitely worth looking into especially for the graphics um, right and then the other one that came out earlier this month is called okay normal same deal. It, it, it's also a horror game. Um, I know it's on Steam. I'm not sure if oh, it's on Jesus. it. Jesus. But it has that... It, it has an almost monkey ball style gameplay, mm-hmm. but with the PS1 era graphics. And that is definitely, definitely a trend we're going to see move into the mainstream again with, like... I guess... Would you call them single-A games? If they're not... If they're AAA <laughs> games... Or they're AAA uh, studios, but like small games from a AAA studio. Just, I think you just call them indie. Uh, but fine. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. I know that term has a lot. That term can be a little loaded sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's like calling I, any, anything with a synth electronic music. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, LSD Simulator? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. This it reminds me of this. I remember just like playing LSD Simulator when I was like it was a long time. I don't even remember. But that was it, that was a PSX game. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it was so weird, and it seemed very intentional. But well, that know. was that was an that was one of arguably one of the earliest like experimental games or earlier mm. experimental games because a lot of the um, like vignettes were mm-hmm. from I can't remember the guy who made it, but he kept a dream journal, and that's where the the, uh, the vignettes right. came from. That's right. I remember. Very interesting. Yeah. We kind of we kind of sidetracked because talking about aesthetic and stuff, but that's ah, an important part. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, but I think that I don't know when it comes to games like Dragon's Crown, Tenor and Kagura, and I'm sure there's many other examples. Just like the, the, here's the problem with, I think with JRPGs in general is just that there is so many of them that kind of follow and there's even there's even developers or publishers uh that are specifically known for this compile heart is the first one that comes to my mind the people i think they i think they publish the uh neptunia games you know where okay. it's just like very little substance in the game all waifu all <laughs> waifu all fan service and it's just i soldiered through this one game i have no idea why i played it but it was on the 3ds called Stella Artois or something. Okay. Uh, and it, I honestly don't know why I invested so much time in it. Like, I was more often frustrated than entertained by this game. But it had a kind of a persona feel about it where you 
develop relationships with some of the characters. And by the end of it, I got so frustrated. Like, Last Boss was, like, actually asked to play against. I beat it and felt no satisfaction. And I thought to myself, why did I just spend 50-something hours on this game that I didn't even like? And then that just kind of changed the way I... Oh, not Stella Artois. It's the fucking beer. Uh, It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's called Stella something. I don't know. It's a 3DS game. Uh, Stella Glow. It's called Stella Glow. <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. I'm sorry. I can just imagine anybody listening is like, there's a game named after the beer. <laughs> but yeah, it's they just name like the beer after the game. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's a super fan servicey game. I realized about halfway into it, I was like, whoa, this is not what I signed. It. There's like a, you know, the the spa scene and all that other stuff. And, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just was like, oh, this is a... I just like to play tactical RPGs. I didn't I didn't expect to get this. Um, but I just was so frustrated by the end of it because it just wasn't fun. It was super slow to play. Like, everybody's turn took a million hours. And I don't even remember my original point. I just remember being so frustrated about that. <laughs> like, ugh. You got trapped into a waifu hunt. Basically, basically, I got I got somewhat invested in like two of the characters, and that was it for me. So, I guess there's a reason I was playing it. Huh? It, it got you hooked somehow. It's like me playing eight of a, ten IGN. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it don't please that game. <laughs> that game is five ten best. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, let's go ahead and transition into the last little bit of our discussion here. Which is our favorite RPGs. Yes. Wait, hold on. You you have a question in the notes that I don't think we really covered, and I, I do want to ask it, because okay. I, I think this is a divisive uh, question. So you, sure. you wrote in the notes, um, a lot of games now are including RPG elements to kind of beef up what they have, and some games implement it very well, some games implement it very poorly. And there's a list of examples for each. So where do you fall in this camp? Do you think that adding RPG elements or having a game that's an RPG-like game make it better, make it worse, or how do you how do you feel about the RPGification? So why do we play a first-person shooter? Uh, to shoot shit. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what I expected as an answer. It's I, like yeah. it's. All, all the mechanics surrounding it should facilitate a enjoying shooting, enjoying little, 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 should facilitate a enjoyable shooting experience. Like Call of Duty, they consistently nail just the joy of shooting shit. Right? Mm. It's it's arguably like I don't want to get into that. that it's, that's more of a taste thing, but I understand what you're trying to yeah, say. It, yeah, they can they can basically use the same formula or a similar formula and modify it according to whatever it needs to be modified to and it, it works with their target audience. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So it's it's really hard for me to phrase this. Basically like the reason that I play certain genres is because they are able to let you play a particular like whatever you're after, right? If you're playing if you're playing a shooter, you want really good shooting, you know? Yeah. And I think that when we start combining these genres, it kind of takes away, in, in some cases. In other cases, it's done really well. But, like, I don't play Fallout because it's a good shooter. I play it because uh, yeah. it's a fun RPG. And See, I would, I ar- I would that, argue, though, that 
Fallout is an RPG with shooter elements as opposed to a shooter with RPG right. elements. Right. So, yeah, I can see that. So, so good. my example would be uh, basically anything Arcane has put out. So Dishonored and Prey, have, if either of you have played those. I, I know, yeah. Dan, you weren't a fan of Prey. I played Dishonored a little bit. I played Dishonored a little bit. Yeah. So those are rogue like roguelike games they're mm. not let me back that up that's that's an incorrect way of it. they're stealth games right okay there we go that's 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 <laughs> the, the phrase like, no no no, no. I, I, okay, I, I said the wrong i phrased that incorrectly um they're stealth games and they have they're they're very rooted in the stealth elements and they're very rooted in the movement elements of things prey lends itself more to a shooter because of reasons but they both have skill trees, skill points, and they technically have levels. So by adding um, an RPG element to Dishonored or Prey, you now have in some way affected how you play the game and the level of difficulty the game presents. Does that make it a better game? Not necessarily. Does it make it more enjoyable? Maybe. Like where speaking specifically of Dishonored, because you said you played Dishonored, where do you fall on that? Uh, I don't know if you're asking me or Danny. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. I'm I, still together my thoughts. I haven't played a lot of Dishonored, and I understand where because you get you could like upgrade with the I don't remember what the items are called, but you find like items and it helps mm-hmm. you upgrade. Uh, and I like. I like Dishonored. I haven't played a lot of it just because I just I just didn't get too into it. Um. I think it's okay. I think it's great, actually. I think it's because if we go back to like the beginning of the conversation, like what makes something an RPG? To me, what makes something an RPG is having choice. And if Dishonored says that you have these choices to achieve your goal, which is either kill people or not kill people, then I'm I'm happy with more choices. Does that mean that all choices are equally good? No, it doesn't. Because the problem is that you when you start to introduce a lot of variety, you start to miss out on the quality of some of certain things that's just how it goes like like mm-hmm. if you think about magic the gathering like there are some cards that are really freaking expensive because they're really freaking good and there are some cards that are literally worth pennies because they're terrible and you just can't control that aspect of it some things inevitably are going to be better than other things as people experiment so mm-hmm. while there might be a, like a most efficient like setup to play a game in a certain way like if you want to be a use a complete stealth playthrough or a pacifist playthrough, you're not going to use those killing skills, right? Those are useless to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you have other tools available to you. I think that's perfectly fine. And I don't mind games that add RPG elements in, you know? Like, if you add, if you make me think about what would I classify you as, then that's, that's a good thing, in my opinion, personally. Okay. I can get behind that. Right, so, so for now- some reason, this weird example that keeps coming to my head is... Street Fighter Cross Tekken. <laughs> okay. Because they added in this gem system where you could specialize, and it's like a, it's a very minor RPG element, but it's this gem system where you could up certain stats and lower certain stats and then kind of take that, and I believe you could actually apply that to online. Like, you could play with, like, gems on. And they, they kind of did that in, the, in Smash 4 as well, right? Where you could, like... Yeah. Stickers. The, the gear. The gear and the stickers and all that, yeah. And... Like, fighting games should be, in my eyes, like, 
the developer has made a character, they have balanced it, there shouldn't be any room for a person to like customize it or to to add. I mean, you can change your costume or whatever, or cosmetic mm-hmm. stuff, but like it's it's made so that to, it's made to be a fine-tuned experience, and I feel like introducing that element of the, like the RPG edition. It adds too much variety and too yeah, much it's, choice. It's Sorry. designed. Not uh, it's, it's designed to have a specific balance, and obviously with modern fighting games, you can patch and, and do all that stuff. But you know, it's designed to. I, I get be what you're saying. The specific experience yeah. and adding that doesn't make sense to me. That's just a random example that came to my mind, but I hear what you're saying. Like it doesn't mesh with what is supposed to be going on in the game. I'd be right. I would question it if, if Call of Duty started to implement like RPG elements. I mean, but in a sense they do have RPG elements. Like if you think about multiplayer loadouts, like they let you choose certain skills and certain gut lights, so there's a choice there. But does that make it an RPG? No, not exactly. That, it, that's, as Matthew that's more, said, it's like a it's a shooter with RPG elements. Like. Yeah. Or, you know, it, even then it's just like it's just a mechanic. You don't even it doesn't necessarily have to be classified as RPG. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's just part of the system. Um but then like they also have like a leveling system, you know, and like how right. much does that mean for it being an RPG? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. I kind of, I kind of hate the uh, like when we start getting into like the details of defining genres. Well, it's just so, to be it's fair, just so funny now. So. Like an RPG is just a blanket term because you have you you then go into your subgenres. So like an art, like you you really have a few types of games. Like you have adventure games, you have action games, you have role playing games, and then you have like things that fit into smaller categories under those terms and just keeps getting narrower and narrower so talking about rpgs in general is hard because it is such a broad topic with such a breadth of works and styles like we said Mm -hmm. so it it is hard to just kind of focus on it so i want to pose a question uh like what would mass effect be without the rpg elements it'd be uh just a, a mediocre shooter. Shitty shooter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a yeah. shitty shooter, dude. <laughs> Mass yeah. Effect so is definitely an RPG. So in that first. case, it adds. Yeah. yeah. So you'd be- say it's more of an RPG with shooter elements, though? Yeah, because it's yeah. not like, honestly, most of the time, like, you are using your guns, but the emphasis isn't on, like, how good the guns are. It's not even FPS, technically, it's a TPS, but it's not, you're not using your guns primarily, you're using your, like, biotic skills, unless you're, like, a sniper class or a soldier class, but even then, you're still using skills. Like, snipers have, like, abilities where they can cloak and then shoot, and then um, uh, the soldier classes have, like, missiles or grenades. Like, there are things, you're, it's more focused on the, efficient use of your abilities and the upgrading of those abilities rather than the quality of the guns that being said there is definitely a disparity in quality of guns but it's it's definitely more focused on the usage of skills that makes sense that's another series i haven't played i've not touched the the mass effect series even remotely hey mass effect one is like i love that game that game is good i'm sure it is like i i have no doubts about it i just every time i see it, i'm just like eh that's fair i mean you know it's it, a, it's it falls definitely into an that. It falls into that. Yeah, like I don't like the style of it, and if I'm going to stare at it for so long, I'm just going to kind of. What are you talking about? It's not for you me. You like cool space things? What no, are you I. About? I don't. Well, I mean, I like cool space things, but like, eh, eh. That's fair. That's fair. 
I'm not gonna ask you to play like oh I don't know I can't think of any game that I that I know that has like a unique aesthetic that only I like but I wouldn't ask you to I wouldn't force you to play Dragon's like Sinran and Kagra I definitely crap. wouldn't force you to play Stella Glow for God's sake Fair. like oh God all right. I'm just going to be forever bitter about that. <laughs> the Again, one time fair. I played a game and I didn't enjoy it pretty much the entire time. <laughs> David's Waifu Hunt episode. Oh, I guess so, yeah. So All right, so wanna... boys, do you want to talk about our favorite games where we're about yeah, to say the same thing? Yeah, there we go. Can I, pre- yeah. can I uh, retroactively jinx you? What do you mean? Uh, like, when you say something at the same time. Oh, yeah, sure, why not? All right, cool. So, gonna... I've been doing that this entire time. Someone owes me a soda. <laughs> it's not going to be Someone somewhere. <laughs> Uh, do you right. want to go in like a round table here? Kind of just like go one by one by one? Uh, uh, yeah, let's do that. Out. Yeah, what the hell? Why don't you start? All right. Uh, I'll say that... Ooh, I have a list here. And it's oh, a little full hard on. to pick. I know. I'm, I'm going to be very selective about this list. I'm going Please to start do. with something that I would definitely classify as one of my favorite games. Uh, one of my favorite RPGs. And that'd be Bloodborne. Um, <sighs> Bloodborne. Oh, all right. Blood you hit me on the exact. Sorry, you hit me right. on the perfect note, and you hit Matt on the worst note. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Board, this is opinions. It's a, It's an. I feel like it's an ARPG where I and it's like it's RPG is a little bit loose here because really you're just kind of leveling up your your stats, and you can change your weapons, and sometimes you can use some additional skills. But it's it's definitely more action than RPG. Mm. And I love the balance of difficulty. Like it's a game that's really, if you really think about it, it's not a hard game. But for somebody who just comes into it blind, it is very challenging to adjust to how the game wants you to play. And I like any game that makes me adjust to how it's set up, like to adjust to the difficulty of that game. Additionally, there's just a lot of freedom in how you choose to play the game. It can be a little restricting at the beginning because multiple playthroughs, like you have to go through one playthrough to start with a certain weapon, and at that point it's New Game Plus. But still, the design of the game, the bosses of the game, just like there's just so many things about the game that are so entertaining, not to mention probably the best DLC I've ever played with the Old Hunters DLC with uh, Ludwig the Accursed. Uh, oh just and Ludwig the whole Holy Blade just starting out like that being the first boss that just runs my you into the guiding crown. moonlight. Yes, oh my you god! Were like, at my side all the along. Oh, <laughs> just everything about it. Like there's sometimes I just go back and I just watch that cutscene. It's just like it sends shivers down my spine. Like the the aesthetic of the game is on point. The gameplay is very fun, and I definitely have put like two, three hundred hours into it, which isn't really a lot in terms of like RPGs. But the fact that I even put that much—that's into it still a lot of time. Long. Yeah, it is a lot of time. Like that—that's ten not days. Not to mention, not to mention, it is probably I think it's the only PS4 game that I've taken the time to platinum. Oh, so, okay. Really? So, yeah. Ooh. Well, okay. Oh. I have to. I have to add a little caveat there. I did not platinum the, the DLC. I just. I just didn't do that. But I, I did platinum the main game. Main game. Main game. Yeah. Main game plan. So, so you got the uh, unique theme. Isn't that still a thing? Yeah. I think yeah. I did get that. Yeah. Whoa. That's interesting. I'm not using it, but, two. Yeah. Two. Well, one of my choices is one of the only like three games I've platinumed on PlayStation. And my my one of my choices because there are too many to properly list is transistor there is okay there is something about that game mechanically that is just so pleasing to me and i it's it's 100 the combination of skills 
because there right. are so many permutations of how you can fight and when you get damaged enough, how it limits you. Like, right. the, the, the risk-reward situation of it. The story is, like, awesome to me. The music, the visuals, everything about that game is just chef's kiss. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, I can... I haven't played all the way through Transistor, but I definitely have played, like, an hour or so of it. And that's not enough to give you a really good opinion on it, but I can, def- I, I can say that I love the aesthetic of the game, and I mm-hmm. did like the way the battles played out. Mm-hmm. So... I it's can, de- it's I, definitely I worth looking or, or going back into. It is gotcha. one of my favorite games and one of my favorite RPGs, and it, it does scratch that action itch, especially yeah. being like isometric. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. But please continue with your list. Your, your platinum thing interested me. Uh, I I mean that's <laughs> there's blood there's Bloodborne, but that's probably like the only game I really like taking the time to platinum i always tell myself all right i think i like this game enough to platinum but for me it's i have to really love it mm-hmm. uh so bloodborne i just i couldn't i can't sing enough praises about like if anybody has a ps4 and they haven't played bloodborne they have essentially not played it's also one like of, 15 bucks yeah <laughs> exactly yeah you can go to gamestop which i don't advocate for going to gamestop usually but you can go to gamestop buy it for 17 dollars, or you can wait for it to be on sale get it for like uh, like t- uh, $20 with the DLC, you know, that's when I got it. I got it when it was on sale with the DLC, and it was just totally worth it. Um, among other things, as far as my favorite games, I already kind of talked about Final Fantasy XII. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not the best game. It's not the best game, but I appreciate what it did at the time because it was unique for a Final Fantasy game. I'm upset they never returned to the formula. And it, the only thing that really held it back was some bad characters and a very adult story. Not in a mature way, but in a, like, it's a political war game kind of thing. Yeah. It made it very uninteresting to follow at times. But I, I appreciate it for what it is. Um, coming up next on the list for me is going to be Monster Hunter. Oh, I, all right. I was going to say that as well. Yeah, so, so Monster Hunter so, uh, recently came out on the PS4. Hell yeah. Like, and it's going to come out on PC, actually. I think it's coming out tomorrow or next couple days on PC. And Monster Hunter World is, is, is a good game. It's not the best Monster Hunter game, not by a long shot. But oh, it disagree. is a very good step. I, mm, it's, my, my gripes with it is that it's too short and it's too easy. Those are my gripes. And they're also the weapons. You're talking about World now? Yes, I'm talking about Monster okay, World. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. a lot of the weapons are just reskinned version. And it's not like they didn't have the models for all these different weapons that existed. They had shit tons of models for, for from all the games that came before it. And they just chose not to use them. And I thought that was so questionable. It was really frustrating to upgrade a weapon to the end gonna... of its upgrade path. And it yeah. looked like the beginning like it, it added a little bit of furs and it looked terrible and that was frustrating but it made the jump from handheld back to console which was amazing and i want to see the more challenging games on console uh i have so many that game monster Hunter, literally thousands of hours thousands of hours across the entire franchise for me from beginning with the ps2 game i feel that back just up till now thousands of hours i i so. definitely had pro- i'm gonna say 300 hours on try because that was like the first that yep. I, I was able to play online mm-hmm. that was and try is a short a game experience. too try was uh, a game that yeah, was too short as yeah. well i didn't play through the main storyline i i basically like once i got online i never left 
and, and that's okay. That's yeah, okay. Like, I, I don't. I don't even think I finished the the the, pro- the storyline proper. I think I just <laughs> just played online until I had everything I wanted. Did you ever fight against uh, like Cadus, like the yeah. Elder Dragon? Yeah, there you I go. did okay, all the fucking Elder fine, Dragons. Then. You're fine then. Yeah, you did what you needed to. Do. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, there's this like moment because we were all playing Monster Hunter at various times and, and whatnot, and there's this moment where like all of my friends dropped off of World at the exact same time, and it, I just haven't yeah. touched it since. That was yeah. me. Like, everyone, everyone was fighting Nergigante. Everyone's like, oh, we should probably, like, grind Nergigante. And then it just, like, stopped. And yeah, no one's playing and they've added more content, and I, I think that the game is good. I just, it wasn't, they didn't have G-Rank, and that is what killed it for me. Like They're going to add something to it later. It's going to be an exp- I know, I just, I feel it in my bones. There's going to be an expansion, and that's going to be part of it, or or whatever the equivalent You know what? Is. That might be the case, but at that point, I probably, and I already told myself, like, I would be completely okay with rebuying the game for the PC. I already, I already decided that. And that sounds like if they do do that, I would rebuy for the PC, because that, for me, would be a little bit more definitive. Uh, the little bit more definitive version, being able to have the full like one of the things i hate it because i don't have a ps4 pro is that the the frame rate drops and frame rate drops in monster hunter are the most frustrating thing uh because there are some situations where it feels like you're like really paying attention to the way a monster moves and if you haven't kind of gotten the rhythm down yet you're reacting in the moment and if you're lagging from frame rate drops which are already frustrating which happened in bloodborne but i forgive it i forgive bloodborne (laughs) for that it it just can make for a frustrating experience, like because you get hit or you die because your frame rate drops a little bit. It's just not, you know. But I'm looking. I'm very happy about Monster in the World, not because it's a super good quality game, but because they managed to get away from the handheld. The handhelds really held back the Monster series. <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. That's fair. That's understandable. I, I definitely, with, with Monster Hunter uh, World specifically, once I, I finished, um, I forget what tempered, tempered something. Oh, God, tempered monsters, yeah. That, like, that, that's where it became not fun for me because it wasn't... Double tempered basil. The game didn't get more difficult. <laughs> right. Naturally. It was just like, oh, they can one-hit KO you now. Like, okay, so why... That right. that should have been a challenge I implemented on myself, kind of thing. Like, don't get hit or restart, kind of. Yeah, but that's also the kind of the like with the older installations when they had G rank. That was yeah. kind of the case too, where you got like two shot it basically, regardless of your armor. Yeah, so it came yeah. more down to like the the combinations of skills you're using. Yeah. I will say the one thing I'm gonna applaud them for is that using bow guns felt so natural. Oh, dude, yeah. I used bow gun the entire time, like yeah, hundred hours. It. I loved it. All right. Last, last, last uh, favorite game on my list. And is it really my favorite games if I have, like, a huge list? But yes, I think so. Uh, so last on my list for me uh, is a little bit of a different game, uh, XCOM. Okay. I've, n- I've never played the older ones, like the, like, old isometric ones where it's, like, 2D graphics. But XCOM 1 and XCOM 2, they just have kind of a special place uh, in my heart because they were tactical RPGs that offered me a lot of flexibility in playstyle, while also being fun 
challenging and frustrating. Not to mention, going back to an earlier conversation, they had a really they have a really good support in the modding community uh, with the long war mods, which I've never been able to beat. But it just makes the game even better. Like it makes it it fine tunes the game, makes it a lot more challenging, makes it longer. That's the name. But it was a fun game on its own right without even those mods. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where I stand. And they definitely have really good RPG elements with like character customization and also kind of choosing what skills you want your characters to have that makes a lot of vari- variety in your squad. So, All right, that's so they, recently, they recently just had XCOM 2 for free on PSN. Really? And that was like my first... Yeah, it was last month. Um, and that was like my first experience. I think I played like a little bit on the PC on like someone's account. I, I, I don't even know. But 2 was my main first like entry into the series yeah. and it was it's cool i don't i'm not a fan of the uh turn timer thing that happens in the where it's like you have to yep. get this objective in like eight turns and, and all that but um but what really dragged me in and i feel like i'm probably in the minority with this is the multiplayer really I've been play- yeah i've been playing with friends because we all got it on ps plus and so we all started playing and and i love the multiplayer it's so much fun i uh Hmm. Uh, you you have to set like a limit on how much points you can spend and how many points you can spend, and then yeah. you can get different units based on that. So everyone has their own like cheese strategies. Like I, my team was just like one sniper and like five crystalids, which are the, like wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it would, I would just be burrowed, and then like out of nowhere, your entire team would just turn into little eggs. If it worked, it doesn't always work. And, right, but, naturally. Yeah, so everyone just has their own little cheese thing. Like, my friend Nick would always use the, uh, he, he just had all, like, Psy operative team. Like, just all people that can mess with your mind. And I, I just kind of like the way that, um, I've only played it for maybe, you know, five, ten hours, something like that. But I just like the way that everyone has developed their own little tactic of, like, how they can best cheese their opponent. See, I never got a chance to expand on the multiplayer aspect just because I was on PC. And, you know, I, I don't know if, Oh, Alan! Alan, when he he got the original XCOM for free, and he hated it. He did not like it. Uh, but in regards to your complaint about the like timer thing, I agree. That thing was ass. So like, pretty much the first thing I did was install a mod that ex- it added probably about four or five turns to every timer. Oh, nice, yeah. And that made the game like it made it feel like you had a lot more flexibility. Like you didn't feel rushed. I don't know why yeah. they felt the need to. At such a short timer, especially in certain missions, like especially when you get late in the game, it gets really dangerous to rush. It exactly it makes you feel like you need to rush, but then every time that you rush, you get your best character killed, and you're just like, yeah. okay, well that was fun. I'm glad I did that. You know, like, okay. yeah. It's almost like Darkest Dungeon, though, where you have to make peace with your characters. Like your characters are gonna die. Like yeah, either yeah, yeah. to a random shot that was probably like ten percent for the enemy, and they crit and they fucking just domed you. Like it's just you can't help it sometimes. Anyway, those are my four games in order. Bloodborne, uh, wait, let me look back at my list. It was Bloodborne, Monster Hunter, no, Bloodborne, Final Fantasy XII, Monster Hunter, and XCOM. And I have more on here, but I don't want to talk about the rest of them, honestly. So That's fine. So Hyperdimensional Neptunia didn't make the list? Uh, no, 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 I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Compile Heart is not, it's not my favorite developer okay. or publisher, so... <laughs> Dan, um, I haven't heard from no. Well, I kind of, I kind of started with a transistor and and agreeing with Monster Hunter. So let's hear from you. Okay. I feel so, like you have something to say about this. This is a tough one for me because there's a lot that I enjoy. Um, 
I have four, and they're in no particular order. So, I mean, okay, so the first one I was going to put on this was Dark Souls 1, but I don't, just go, just go listen to the Dark Souls episode. I don't, I don't want to talk about that at all. <laughs> okay. See, the thing we is, have I, the Dark Souls I know episode, you do want to talk about it, but you're mm-hmm. you're restraining yourself, and I appreciate that. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, there's always time for Dark Souls talk, but, uh, but David's already hit a Bloodborne, I don't want to bore the audience, so, since we've already uh, had like an hour and a half discussion on, blood, or on, on Souls, <laughs> Soulsborne. So, right. so go listen to that episode, yeah, self-promotion. Um, so the first one, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Ooh. Okay. This was the this was this was just high school for a while. Like, I would just play this like in school, and it was awesome. Uh, we had this. I was in band with with Matthew, and we had a group of friends that all had this thing, and and this was the one that came with the Poke Walker. Ah. So yeah. it was like even crazier. Yeah, I would be like, uh, I put the Poke Walker in my shoe in class, and I'd be shaking it to get steps to. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was. There was a whole meta game. IRL too. grinding. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> dude. I remember sitting in math class, oh, just like no. shaking it, just like. Uh, uh. Your kids uh, probably thought you had ADHD or something. Yeah. See, the best no, part about just, that was just poke walking. Marching band. You got all the steps yeah. from marching band practice. So you'd like yeah. you'd go into marching band with like eight steps or whatever, and you'd leave with like thirty thousand because all you were doing oh, was running around a field for three hours. <laughs> and you would go up like one level and just be salty when you got home. You know, yeah, so, I'm a, sorry, but I just had to no, say, no. Like, I'm an eighth grade teacher, and knowing that knowing that kids might still be doing stuff like that, it's kind of like it makes me laugh a little bit on the inside. <laughs> I wonder how many uh, kids you. How, how many kids are playing Fortnite playing mobile? Games? Yeah, they're all playing PUBG. <laughs> that uh, that no, not PUBG, Fortnite. They fucking yeah, love it's Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh no, they love Fortnite, dude. It's just crazy. It's sad that mobile gaming has taken over school gaming as opposed to handouts. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the same thing. I don't think mobile gaming is a bad thing. I don't think mobile gaming is a bad thing. I think it has its place, so I'm not going to fucking shit on it. Yeah, in the dumpster. (laughs) 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 Yeah, make sure you edit in those horns right there. All right, I got it. All right, (laughs) keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I'll remember. So, Gold and Silver are like, it's my favorite generation of Pokemon, and Heart Gold and Soul Silver just made it better, made it prettier, made it... Um, on the DS, which is just awesome. I loved my DS back in the day. And uh, yeah, it really just fit in with the time of my life that I was playing it at, which was early high school, just banned. We were on a lot of trips. And uh, yeah, um, it was also the first time that I started getting, like, trying to get into the competitive scene. Never really did that, but because we had the multiplayer, like, availability of other friends on the bus or wherever we were after school or whatever it was, it made me more interested in the. Uh, in the multiplayer aspect of it. Hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. I just really, really adore Gold and Silver. And this is, like, the definitive version of those for me. Nice. Yes. Okay, so that's one. Numero three. Do you have anything to say about that, Matthew? Because I know that you also enjoy those games. So the Pokemon series is one of my favorites in general. I don't think it's one of my favorite RPGs for a multitude of reasons. Um, but between Harkle, Soul Silver, and Diamond and Pearl... I have, I had a, an obsession with online battling, and I, th- my in-game clock for, for Diamond sits at like 2,000. And now, to be fair, a lot of that was like waiting for matches. To be fair, a lot of it was like idling um, while we connected and stuff like that. So, but the actual gameplay itself, I've probably put in like a grand worth of hours. So, 
I have definitely sunk a lot of time into those games, despite not being like high on my lists. Um, mm-hmm. But Heart Gold Soul Silver made it modernized um, online battling and online competitive. Like, I guess what would you call it? VGC rules and things like that. Right. So it mm-hmm. definitely changed my outlook on the game, and it definitely like made it awesome for lack of a better word. Sure. Makes sense. Hmm. Alright, so my second one. Now, this is one that I never beat, and I feel like I don't... I feel like I get really far in a lot of RPGs, and then just don't beat them because I get burnt out, or whatever it is, but but this one I had a really good time with, and then eventually just kind of stopped playing, because I felt like I had played it enough to experience what I wanted to get out of it, and and it's the original Nino Kuni. Um, did you, either of you play this at all? I, I have played. I've heard of it before. Yeah, so it, it Ghibli worked on the art, as far as I'm, as far as I know. It's it, some it looks like a Studio Ghibli movie. movie yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like just literally ripped out of that. So it was just a really. I played it on PS3, and it was just a really beautiful game that struck me as, as something special. Now, there's a lot of issues. I was talking to my friend Will Teagle, who we had on the show, about this, and. There's a lot of issues with like the mechanics versus the targeted audience and everything, and um, and just the gameplay in general. It's it's kind of uh, it's, it's kind of a mess at times. But I really just enjoyed my time with it, and it, it took me by surprise. And the second one's out now, and I haven't even touched it or anything. I've heard that it's not uh, it, it's a lot different than the, second, than the first one. But I don't know. It, it just aesthetically, musically, um, like the combat was was fun. It was like a action-oriented sort of thing where you would control, like, Pokemon-type creatures and um, rotate them out, and they all have abilities. And right. It was just this really, like, innocent... Just like a, any Ghibli film would be. Like, it was just this, like, innocent experience about a kid who had experienced loss. And, I don't know, it just really struck me in the moment. And, and I want to go back and play it again because I, I just remember having a blast with it. Cool. So that was kind of the wild card throw up there. Yeah, I didn't, expect, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Maybe not uh, completely worthy of the list, but I felt like it's worth worth mentioning. You're not you're special. not the first person who's told or who has recommended it to me or, or talked very highly of it, and like everyone, uh, a friend of mine who I see pretty frequently at, at the bar has been playing Nino Kuni too and will not stop talking to me about it. And I keep trying so, to tell him, I keep trying to tell him like I'm going to play it at some point, so stop telling me the story. <laughs> but he's just so he's so excited about it and I'm just like I don't want to ruin your mellow. I don't I don't want to harsh your mellow. That's hilarious. <laughs> um okay, so third one and so as much as I am about the uh, Vita Master race, I had to decide between Persona 4 and Persona 5 and I'm going with 5. Um mm. I played a fair amount of 4, probably little more than halfway, I want to say, and before I got far in town. And then with five, I made it about 80-something percent through the game, and then got burnt out. <laughs> so I just never finished it. But, uh, but Persona 5 is just this amazing experience that I have never had like anything else like that before in my life. And it's, it's the music, it's the stylization of it, it's the way the characters interact with each other, it's the, it's the writing in general. And it's just the beautiful fusion of a genre that I don't like, which is visual novels, and a genre which I do like, which is JRPGs. 
Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier about how this thing is just, it's beyond a cult like following now. It's just this phenomenon, right? And, and I understand it because these games are really well written. There's balanced. Uh, one thing that they nail in the combat is like, you don't ever really have to grind like we were talking about earlier. This is right. something where you can, if you're playing it right and you're killing the enemies and you're not just skipping everything, like, oh, did my computer show me? No. Oh, you can still hear me? Yeah. That was weird. Sorry about that. It, everything just went dark. I was like, all right. It probably went to sleep. Yeah, but I have been moving. So. Anyways. Um, yeah, so it's... It, the way it's paced is that if you just progress through the things that you are supposed to progress through and, like, you fight every enemy that you're supposed to, like, you're never really going to be outmatched. Now, you have to use your abilities right and everything to succeed, but... You, you, there's no mandatory grinding to get by, at least in five. Um, right. In four, you had to like go back and repeat dungeons in order to get to a acceptable level to beat the boss and all that. But so, just from a pacing standpoint, just from a aesthetic standpoint, uh, Persona Five just just nailed it for me. And it's I listen to the soundtrack like daily. Right. That's just jamming. Hey, that's good. I can tell you one. Th- I'll give you. I can kind of attest that I haven't played the game. But what I will say is that I always know when I'm looking at a screenshot from Persona 5. Every oh, yeah. single time. Every, it's like that characteristic, like red and white and black. And the characters like have those weird-ass costumes, which, you know, there's a part of me that wants to play it. But at the same time, I just like, meh. I'm, I think it's a cool-looking game, and I know the concept behind the game. Which, so you have the same way, you feel the same way about Persona that I feel about Mass Effect. Uh, probably. <laughs> I'm probably. just out, yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. It just uh, hit the right spot for me when I was... It was a time where I was looking for an RPG, and I had been playing some older ones, but I was really looking for an experience that was, like, like impressed me with a modern RPG, because I hadn't been impressed by, like, Final Fantasy XV or any of these other things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just really... Uh, it just really hit the spot. So, highly recommended if uh, if you're into that sort of thing. If not, cool. Go back to uh, Final Fantasy XII. Go back to Dragon's yes. Crown and, and Stellar <laughs> Glow. Just gonna jump right on that one. Neptunia Hyperdimension. That's what. That's gonna be one of the games I, I put on my hidden from the public on a PS4. Oh God. That way, no one will know. <laughs> well, you might as well wear that shame in your sleeve. I mean, you I'm talking about it openly. Matt, why do you have trophies in every single hyperdimension? Nothing. <laughs> just, just immediately slam the door, just scream, nothing. <laughs> no reason. And lastly is uh, a game that I played in college, and I had a buddy named Gage, and Gage and I loved to play. Oh, I had a Wii at the time, or I still have a Wii. But oh, yeah. And the Wii has a really, really good uh, virtual console store. And so my buddy Gage and I would sit down and we play these these RPGs together. And this is before Dark Souls came out because then all that we did at the fraternity house was just play Dark Souls. But um, and Destiny and and Destiny. Yeah. Um, so the game is uh, Chrono Trigger, and it was on the Wii Virtual Console. And I'm not sure if that's like the best version of it or whatever. But Chrono Trigger is just this really special game to me. It's it's beautiful. I'll feel like all these games that I've chosen are like aesthetically pleasing and have good soundtracks and whatnot. But the the thing that really dragged me in was the uh, with the combat system. Um, I wanted the to, ATB. I wanted to bring 
Yeah, I wanted to bring that. Well, it's specifically the uh, combining attacks oh, okay, okay. into like Mega Supers or whatever you want to call them. But I wanted to bring this up earlier, but I didn't get a chance to. Um, I don't think menu combat is all that engaging. No, it's not. Yeah. But this made it a little bit more. Like, I don't know. It just. This was like peak menu combat for me. This is like the one that I can deal with and I find super engaging, even though. Just by its very nature, like scrolling around the menu and selecting an attack isn't necessarily the most engaging thing. Right. Where do you stand on that, Matt? Um, neither here nor there, honestly, because a lot of the games that I love are menu-based, and a lot of the games that I hate are menu-based. So it, it's just kind of different steps to the same goal. Sure. So yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I fall dead center on that. I, th- I think menu-based combat, like, if you're talking about, like, games where it's just, like, you select an ability, maybe there's not much visual, um, like, feedback about what's going on. You see a lot of that in, like, dungeon crawlers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those games really have to capture you in a special way to get you to play them. Uh, and if it does it for you it does it for you you know some people just they just really get into the they don't care as much about the visual aspect of it but they do get very much into the like the gameplay uh like i know legend of grimrock uh is like a game where people just they fucking love it mm-hmm. you know i i and, think it, it's a it's definitely a product of the limitations at the time yeah absolutely. and i don't for unfortunately people just associate it with that now rather than uh iterate on it right so when you see a new newer game with a menu system, or a menu menu based combat, that doesn't do something new with it, like you're saying with the visual elements, uh, it's a detractor. But like Octopath um, has, it still has a menu system and it still has like selections. Even even Near has uh, a menu system to a degree. Not specifically really? for com- not specifically for combat, but for items and weapons. Uh, yeah. But th- so I didn't realize uh, until about, I'm going to say 15 hours into the game, that you could do shortcuts, and I feel dumb saying that. <laughs> so every time, every time I was healing, I was basically pausing, going to the item, healing. Oh, no. Yeah, so like, it, it was frustrating because it, it, it felt slow and antiquated, and then I realized, oh, shortcuts. Yeah, that's the but, worst feeling, but for 15, 15 hours, I'm thinking this is just so stupid. Why would you? Why, why did you, did you design a game like this? Like being the pretentious little snot that I am. <laughs> <laughs> the armchair oh. developer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey uh, I, I've read a book on Unity. <laughs> oh God, dude, it's so hard. It's like it's saying I read a car manual. I'm a mechanic now. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Someone gets it. Uh, going back to Chrono Trigger real quick, it's I never played Chrono Cross actually, so I can't speak to that one. But uh, I don't know, it was just this epic story. It it was just exactly what I needed. A lot of these games are like what I needed or what I needed to play in that moment to like feel better, to like get maximum enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. And it just fit in this perfect pocket where Gage would come over and we would just play an old school game together. And the story's a lot of fun. The characters are are very unique. There's a frog knight and bunch of other ridiculous designs yeah yeah and it's a time traveling like wonky experience where you just go back and there's like oh there's a dinosaur and then you travel and it's like oh we're in the future and there's just all this nonsense happening constantly and i don't know it just has all these elements that make a 
like a, um, a JRPG here to me. Mm-hmm. Exploring the open world, boss fights, grinding, blah, blah, blah. Just everything that we have discussed, it, it kind of embodies all that stuff for me and nails it. So, so that is my list. Okay. Honorable mention to uh, Torment Tides of New Marina, which I just started playing, which is this, like, it's, it's based on Planescape Torment. It's like a newer Kickstarter version of that. Um, okay. And there's a lot of really cool uh, dialogue options. It's, it's basically, um, it's super choice base choice impact, whatever you want to call it. Um, right. Where, like, you know, are you going to set this guy free? What will that do in the future? Um, how does that affect your alignment? All that kind of stuff. So. Right. But I can't speak into it because I've only played, like, three hours. So. Sure. That's my list. All right. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Um, we're, we're edging the thing, so I'm just going to hammer in my things. I agreed with uh, David on Monster Hunter. And I like Transistor. I really like the Mother series. I think those are great games. Uh, early Square stuff is great. Basically, the Final Fantasies up until five. I didn't really like uh, four or six that much, just because I don't like ATB. Yeah. Um, oh wait, you don't like ATB? No, not at all. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. Even even putting it on weight. What is it? Even putting it on uh, weight mode. Like, yeah. 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 I, that, that's I, how I mean, it, that's I how I played it. Yeah. Uh, you play. You play. So you don't like. You don't like active battle. You don't like the active part. I didn't. I well. Yeah. I don't. Really. It's a lot more. It's a lot more. Stuff. I usually don't play on active. I usually play on weight. So. Yeah. And that's all that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, when I think of Matthew Wickham, I think of Earthbound. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, you have a very oh Final Fantasy class. Tactics. I fucking love Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh my oh, god, I completely forgot about that game. Yes. Right? Every everyone does. I should have put that on my list. Jesus. Yeah. Well, War of the Lions or the original War the, War of the Lions yes, is a remake. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Oh. Yeah, War of the Lions was a, a a port for I think PSP. Final Fantasy Tactics is a is an example of a job system that just is dissatisfying in many different ways. Oh god, ways. yes. Where everything feels very so unique, good. different, and I feel like I, I feel like if I'm going to pick a class, like if I'm going to play a character with a different class, that class is inherently different than everything else, you know. Mm. So all right, like so, thieves and ninjas are not the same. All that other stuff. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that you think of me, or you think of Earthbound when you think of me. I, I guess that's. Like that's an odd compliment, just because of the insane, the insane shit that happens in Earthbound. So, You're an insane person, man. Thank you. <laughs> that was so hard to to take that as a compliment. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's wrap this in up. In summary, games are great. Go out and play some games. Talk about David, them with your friends. David, thanks so much for being on. Thank you for this having really me. Fun, it's really, really fun. Really fun experience. Do you? Uh, are you a social media person? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, I got nothing to plug. I don't right. want people. To, I don't want people to know about my life. Honestly, the incognito. <laughs> I yeah, can I'm incognito about all. We'll, we'll censor out your every use of your name. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. Yeah. So blank. What yeah. did you think about? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> censor. Censor noises all throughout. Yep, it's just gonna, <laughs> it's going to be terrible. All right. So if you want to follow the non-cast, Matthew, how can they find it? Um, uh, you dropped out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If you want to follow the non-cast, where can you find it? <laughs> Take three. 
It didn't work again? What? No, what is sorry. that? Sorry. Just try one more time. Oh, my God. If you want to follow the Nodcast, where can you find us? Uh, we have a website, thenodcast.com. <laughs> We also, I technically, I, I somehow don't remember this, but I bought nightowl.games. So both go to the same website. If, if we have two websites? I, I, well, two URLs. I, I realize that now. So, so nightowl.games the and thenodcast.com. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Wait, we is have nightowl.games.com or nightowl.games? Nightowl.games. That's cool. Right? Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like 10 bucks I probably spent. I bet you that was like a 4 a.m. like drunk person. Like, this sounds like a cool idea. Let's buy another girl. Yeah. I think I own like 10 now. I don't know why. If they want to follow you on Twitter, Matthew, where can they follow me? I am at Somatic Maelstrom. That are, those are my two favorite words in the English language. And no, I'm not going to spell it this time. Good. Danny, Good. you are at the Pribna box, correct? And yes, that is an Ava reference. Yes, it is. Every episode I need to confirm. You do. And for fans of the lightning round, I'm sorry. We had... Uh, we didn't have one prepared. We figured we would talk about RPGs for too long anyways. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, final shout-out to Master Sword Remix for our, our theme song. That's very generous of you. And look forward to more shit in the future. Thanks for making it this far if you did. Yeah, have Jesus. Pleasant, have a pleasant morning. Buenos Aires.